This is former TNA World Champion Raven, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And don't cross the line. Or do cross the line. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. I don't know. Eh, whatever. You get it. TNA Wrestling. Cross the Line. And we're back with bonus episode number 11 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Conley Jr. With me as always is Dallas Gridley in Dallas. On this lovely bonus episode, we are heading north of the border for a border city wrestling international incident. Where we are watching one match from the show and it's the main event where the NWA world champion Raven who successfully defended against Rhino at our previous show Unbreakable is defending against Jeff Jarrett. We don't know how Jeff Jarrett has gotten a title shot. We don't know why, but by God, he got one. He sure did. Uh, yeah, and if everyone tuning in is like, why the heck are you guys doing a bonus episode? Well, first off, you kind of listen to the past episodes, but there's no impacts for a couple weeks until October 1st when we make our debut on Spike TV. And don't you guys worry, that is coming up here in just a few weeks. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm actually pretty excited about this. I have definitely seen this at some point, but it's certainly been a long time since I've seen this. Um, and I have not never seen the whole show, but guys, if you're wondering why we aren't doing this whole show, Bob told me no. I'm just gonna throw the blame on Bob right now. Yeah, I really didn't want to do the whole show. I mean, I don't completely um, blame you. And actually, I'm, it's funny because I'm looking at the the total card, and we can talk about the card, you know, while we watch or whatever too. But and I actually have a note about the show in general. But it's actually like they're doing like a U.S. versus Canada feud during the entire show, basically. Mm-hmm. Out of like a best of five series, except that it's like all different matches. So it's kind of interesting. There's a ton of TNA talent on this card. I mean, it's nearly entirely TNA talent. Um, and there's a really good reason for that. And actually, uh, in the notes that we're going to go through here momentarily, you'll hear why. It's actually kind of cool. Uh, so we're going to do things a little bit differently. Actually, it's more of a throwback because when we first started doing these... Um, episodes way back bob i'm pretty sure we read all the notes and then we watched the show and then we realized maybe we should start sprinkling some of those into the show instead of doing over three hours half the time when we could condense it to about two and a half during the weekly pay-per-views so we're gonna do all the notes then we're gonna watch the match and i mean i don't know how long exactly the match is but it's probably gonna be roughly 30 minutes worth of um watch along video and we're gonna have a grand old time and then we're going to tell you guys what we're doing next week. That's right. So we got a bunch of stuff lined up. Let's get right into this. We are going to completely break down Unbreakable, um, as we always do. Uh, but first, we have some other notes to talk about. And then we'll break down Unbreakable, and then we'll go into the show. So um, kind of a random one to kick us off here. Um, Brian Kendrick recently returned on Velocity earlier than expected. 
and you're probably wondering, well, why the frick are we talking about this? Well, um, it's because he he made a late call to TNA last week to see if they were interested. And essentially, uh, they didn't give him a direct answer, so he ended up going to Velocity. So he did try to come back to TNA. He went back. I know he was doing Ring of Honor stuff. Was he yeah. released by WWE or something? And then he, well, yeah, he must have been because he. I can't remember. We saw him like do one quick appearance, didn't we? And then they, I, like, I believe never we saw him else. at we saw him at least at Victory Road. Okay. Um. And then, I think he did a couple of impact shots. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, at this point, he has not okay. resigned, at least according to this note, but he had verbally committed to working there. So, yeah, he had, lo- he had left um, WWE the first time, I guess, in January of 2004. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're saying that he reached out to them? TNA before. Yeah. So it says, oh, at least according to Wikipedia, I don't know how accurate this is. In July 2005, Kendrick announced that after he had fulfilled his obligations on the independent circuit, he would return to WWE. He made his return during a live event August 22nd, losing a fatal four way. Interesting. To the Cruiser Tech. So that was at a house show. Oh, so let me, let me put this also into a little bit of perspective. So this observer, um, that this is in this is from September 19th, which is around the date of what we're watching. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know how these go. Sometimes they're a little bit later. So it probably lines up like early September-ish when they got the news kind of thing, I'd have mm-hmm. to assume. But I thought it was kind of interesting that there's he did try, he tried to call TNA, and they were just couldn't give him a, a good answer. Yeah, I'm, that's... Uh... That's interesting. I don't know if I. I mean, I like uh, Brian Kendrick Spanky, but like, I don't know if I would. I don't know if we needed him right now. I don't think. Like, we I, think yeah, I don't think. I think. I think we're doing fine. I'd rather bring back some uh, other people. Like, I don't know, Amazing Red. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, Amazing Red would be good. And I mean, he did. He did what? At least one show during the internet. Yeah, it, we were like, oh shit, Red's on here, and then he's like gone again. I just. Yeah. And it seems like he doesn't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't really do a whole lot, again, for, like, a long time here. And I never realized how short his TNA run is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. He, he, I'm telling you, he is a guy that if he doesn't get hurt a whole lot of times, is yeah. probably doing a lot more in, in wrestling. And even now, it's, uh, and I think he's involved with uh, House of Glory. Uh, yes, yes, he is. I don't know if he runs it, but I know that he's uh, he part, might. part of it. He might. But I, I noticed like he does like two like it seems like two matches a year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I mean this this is an example like, a guy that just got bad knees, right? Right. And couldn't keep up with the the style that he was doing uh, every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunate, but here we are. Um, so moving on here, uh, Dave notes that it's clear that Spike is really behind TNA now. Now, on October 1st, prior to TNA's debut, they will be doing an Ultimate Fighter Marathon from 5 to 11 p.m. with the first six episodes from the season replayed. 
However, the first TNA Monday night episode, due to replaying the Las Vegas UFC show, won't air until 2.10 a.m., as opposed to its usual midnight planned start time. So the midnight Monday slot starts on 10.10. No. It's pretty interesting. Now, we are going to be talking a lot about this Monday night thing coming up. Like, like there might even be more on today's. There's definitely going to be more next week. And when we get to the Spike debut, I'll tell you right now, there's even more stuff. And it's, I, I don't know. People, I just saw someone recently, this is a quick side note here, but someone compared uh, the signing of someone we have yet to see. Um, so I'll just leave that ambiguous. As like, oh, there, there was a war going on. And someone like commented, it was on Twitter, was like, I wouldn't really call it a war. I mean, things are already starting to pick up here where WWE is going to try to up their Monday show because they're switching networks and Spike has a different wrestling on. And it's very clear that they're like trying to like butt heads with them. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a war. Well, war, right. It's not like a true thing. But, I mean, you can tell, like, they're start they're trying to prove to Spike or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're not just doing it quietly. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, when, in the grand scheme of things, I would say, arguably, the entire time that... TNA's on spike. It's it's never really any kind of like true war. Until January fourth, two thousand ten, yeah. when they get rid of that playpen ring. Yeah, but but what I, but that even like I, I know. confirms that it's not a war. I know, when I you know. see the rating the next day of what they got, it's like yeah, it's not even fucking close. Well, I think war is like a bad word to be using anyways. Like it's not that, but there are definitely some competition. They're just trying to be like that pesty sibling. You know, like they're eating, uh, okay. you know, WB's yeah. eating a really nice meal and you got your little brother. It's like, come on, I want to p- come give me a piece. Come on, mom, mom. That sounds like it's insulting, but you are kind of true there. I mean, you're not yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's like, okay, this kid's annoying me, but I'm still going to eat my meal. And his meal might be good too, but yeah. you don't really want to try it out. Anyway, yeah. um, in some other good news, TNA signed a one-year contract with Eurosports, which is basically Europe's version of ESPN. So that's pretty freaking big. Uh, the station reaches 54 countries in Europe and the Middle East, but is strongest in the UK, Scandinavia, France, Spain, Italy, Poland, Portugal, and Greece. And I think stuff like this is why they uh, start to kind of blow up in the UK. I mean, I was just gonna say, there's no denying that. Um, this is a fun note, and it's relating to the show we are watching today, or the match that we're watching today. So I don't know if you knew this, Bob, but I never knew this. Um, so they are test marketing the idea of doing house shows, as well as doing the uh, as well as the idea of doing a Canadian house show tour, starting with September fifteenth, Windsor, Ontario, the show promoted by Scott Demore in Border City Wrestling. So this essentially is a test show to do house shows. Uh, what? It's but it's under Border City Wrestling's banner, right? But it's mostly TNA guys. So that's the interesting part. Yeah, but I think it's very important that we think this through here because it's not uh, well, and there's a reason for this. 
okay, but so, so like my but here's my so here's my point. I'll I'll use a very <clears throat> simplistic example that's probably not even the greatest idea here, but you got Northeast Wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. That's based out of like Connecticut, does Poughkeepsie sometimes, whatever. They draw anywhere between 400 to like 2,500 when they set up the Mid Hudson Civic Center, and they've used TNA guys before. And I'm gonna say I'm probably referencing like 2008, 2009, 2007, whatever. And they're doing these things now. TNA could then go to that same market that Northeast Wrestling, let's say, did 1,200 mm-hmm. with two guys that are not yet in the company in the main event do 1200 tna comes in with those same two guys and their tna roster and they do 650 so the issue with tna never was the guys it was the brand people didn't want to go see tna they would want to go see like you know your samoa joes or whatever but not TNA. And the same thing with, with like, in probably 2005, a better example is like Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor could do 800 in Chicago with their Ring of Honor guys, but then also various T- TNA guys. And then TNA go there with those same TNA guys. And then like their undercard that are not in Ring of Honor and not do, they're not going to do 850. They're going to do like 420. Makes me sad. It's a fight. It's, I think it's a mostly a brand thing. Well, I for one would want to see TNA wrestling. So, anyway, I see. I don't know. I don't know, man. At, like when they come, when they came to Syracuse in two thousand seven. Oh, I couldn't fucking wait. The, at the fairgrounds. Yeah, the I, fairgrounds. Like, like I wanted to. It was the same weekend I went to Chicago to go to Wrigley Field, so I couldn't end up going. But I, it what for me? It wasn't like oh, I want to go see TNA. Oh, it no, was like me, oh, was... I want to see. I want to see like. This guy. I'll tell you what, that show was awesome. I bet it was, but like I didn't want to go like see actual. TV. I can't wait till we get to that, and then it's like in our notes, and I can be like, okay, guys, I was there, I was at the show, I can tell you <laughs> stories. I got stories about that show. I will never forget. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so kind of going on Bob's point here, though, um, Demore's last show, believe it or not, <laughs> drew a sellout of nineteen hundred fans. Now. <laughs> That is largely due to Bret Hart doing a Hart Foundation reunion with uh, Jim Neidhart and Jimmy Hart. But regardless. Well, still. And we should try, during, when we watch this, when we start this, let's try I don't have a, a crowd number, but I'm curious what this actually drew, if we can try to find it. But um, Now, the main matches on the show, obviously Raven versus Jarrett for the title. We're going to watch that. Now, other ones we are not going to watch, but if you're interested in this show... You could go and check out Christopher Daniels versus Chris Sabin for the X Division title. And then, of course, they at best of five U.S. versus Canadian series with uh, four matches being Bobby Roode versus Abyss, P.D. Williams versus Jerry Lynn, A1 versus Rhino, and Johnny Devine and Eric Young versus America's Most Wanted. There's some pretty good matches on the show. I am definitely going to try to watch this entire show at some point. Um. Because it sounds do, pretty good. I should probably do a written review of it, but I have not. Oh, I thought you definitely have. No, I've been, I've wanted to, and I never have. That's why, guys, I found the real reason why we're not watching the whole show, because Bob doesn't want to do it twice. He'll do the main event twice, but he won't do the whole show twice. 
that's not the real reason. That probably definitely plays a part in it. Um, okay, so a couple more things about Spike in that whole deal, and then I'm scrolling just to confirm. Then we got uh, we're gonna start dipping into a little bit of the taping that is coming up for Spike. Some rumors, some stuff that's happening, and then we will get into Unbreakable. So we got a little bit left here, but so uh, the battle of October third between Spike TV and USA Network has heated up even more. I told you, I told you this is gonna happen. Um, I'm not going to read every single bit of this because there's quite a bit that's strictly raw and UFC related because really that's kind of the competition. TNA just happens to be after the UFC thing. Mm. Um, but there's a pretty interesting note here that Dave kind of breaks down what's been happening. So he says it wouldn't be shocking to see one side or the other take more steps. But this is the basic scorecard of what has happened so far in such a short time in what would be the most important night for the business in many years. So he breaks this down. August 29th, the first the first shot here. Uh, just two hours before the live Raw is set to begin, Spike TV decides there are two commercials for the debut of TNA on its network. Then on September 1st, after getting the demographic breakdown two days earlier, showing the Ultimate Fighter at 11.05 p.m. to midnight, during a, drawing a 3.71 rating among males 25 to 34, Spike's target age group, a number slightly higher than Raw, the network decides to fu- to fight to retain its status as the number one cable network on Monday nights that it basically conceded to USA when it picked up Raw. When it picked up Raw, uh, Spike TV asks UFC to add two hour live special to go head to head with Raw's debut on the new USA network. So that's that's a shot that Spike is like, we want to go live with UFC during Raw. On September 4th, Spike TV makes the decision to add second TNA airing at midnight on Monday nights after the conclusion of The Ultimate Fighter. On September 6th, in response, WWE announces the return of Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Triple H, Mick Foley, and Vince McMahon to Raw on October 3rd. This type of star power is something that UFC simply can't compete with when it comes to marginal viewers who are the key viewers in a rating war. Um, Then we have... Uh, then I think this is all still kind of around September 6th because he stops writing dates. <laughs> uh, to, to get a jump on Raw and to build for Ultimate Fighter Night, Spike decides to preempt its 8 p.m. episode of CSI, which is its highest-rated show on the network except Raw, in order to air a one-hour episode of UFC Unleashed. Uh, WWE then adds a third hour of Raw starting at 8 p.m., then uh, USA Network moves Raw start time to 7.55 p.m. to get a jump start on Unleashed and adds a fourth hour with a taped Raw exposed after the live Raw from Dallas ends. Now, uh, he says that the Raw exposed special will also air on October 2nd at 10 p.m. on USA the night before. So it's a second airing of it. Now, Spike has a six-hour Ultimate Fighter Marathon to lead into the debut of Impact. So it's pretty. I told you this is pretty wild stuff. I feel like when you I am, break it down, I am absolutely shocked at how, at the lengths that WWE went to counter program UFC. I know, it's wild. I so, don't know like I said, if it was it's more that sh- necessary to do that. Like I said, it's more of shots at like I think Spike rather than anything. But once again, oh, yeah. TNA, TNA is included in this, so it counts. Yeah, but it's definitely a, a spike thing because I don't even. Yes. Think, I believe we were, when you were talking about, you know, when the 
the program programming with Spike came up. Like Spike didn't even offer them a deal. No. Because I think USA offered so much money to get it back. Right. That they were just like, let's go. And then I'm sure WWE was like, fuck you, Spike. We're going to mm-hmm. we're gonna destroy you when, with, right. with their program or whatever. Yeah. Now, all in all here, everything we just said, between Spike and USA, there is going to be a total of 11 hours of either pro wrestling or UFC programming on one night, including the UFC fight night replay from 1 to 3 a.m. So, uh, so really, seven hours of first-run content. Hmm. That's a lot of shit. Uh, yeah. So pretty crazy. And he kind of dives into this, uh, I mean, quite a bit more. But um, for the sake of our sanity, that's the breakdown. Yeah. Now, let's talk about some stuff that's uh, into our taping. And, I mean, there is some, like, we'll say we'll say minor spoilers. But it's stuff we've been talking about. So it's not really. I mean, this is all um, before it happens. So we don't really have confirmation, right? Um, with just a few weeks to go before its Spike TV debut, TNA put on one of the best matches of the last decade in North America. So this talks about Unbreakable a little bit too, but it yeah. kind of we'll get there. Um, an Unbreakable pay per view on September 11th in Orlando before the usual turnaway crowd of 800 fans at Universal. Um, the interesting note is that the match that wasn't decided on being the main event until 2 a.m. the night before the show, so it was not even going to be the main event. Of course, if you guys listen to our Unbreakable show, which if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. AJ Styles won the X Division Championship in a three-way over Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe in a match that was flip-flopped at the last minute by Jeff Jarrett to go above the Raven vs. Rhino NWA title match. Now, there had been a long-standing feeling that the NWA title had to go on last. In hindsight, it was the right move, as it would have been difficult for Raven vs. Rhino, which was not that hot of a match to the live crowd to begin with, to have followed an incredible match. Now, Daniels in particular was holding back tears after the show went off the air. A storyline that could have, uh, because he lost the title after the six-month reign, it was really because of the emotion. Now, when the show uh, cut off without getting the full impact of the live crowd chanting match of the year. So they ended up, they shut it off before that. Now, largely due to the match, the show got an overwhelmingly positive response, even though it was not as good as the undercard of many of the recent shows, nor was the crowd as hot as it usually is. The second best match on the show was not even booked until two days ahead of time with ROH tag partners Roderick Strong and Austin Aries, neither of whom have TNA contracts, tearing down the house and impressing everyone. So that was a, a standout. And we will, of course, once once we actually get to the full breakdown here, we will do our um, I do have the observer like thumbs up, thumbs down thing. So. So here's my question. If uh, if Jeff Jarrett is the world champion, is he main eventing? Oh yeah, he was easily going to main event. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. I mean, that's not even that's not even a question there. Yeah. So no TV tapings were held on September thirteenth. So the next two weeks of television in a few markets they air, like Sun Sports in Florida, uh, will be best of shows. Now listen, guys. I tried. I was going to try to trick Bob into this. There, I have one of them. He told me no, but it's literally just Don West and Mike Tenay talking, and they just say, "We did it again." And unbreakable, and then they show old matches. So I get it, but yeah, I'm not doing that. I tried. Actually, the joke was I was gonna. We were gonna. We talked about doing a different idea, and I was gonna have that playing in the background. But huh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so listen to this. Kevin Nash, the Dudleys, under a new game and gimmick, and Gal Kim are all expected to debut 
on September 27th tapings for the two weeks of Spike TV. That's what we're playing in here. Now, at okay, this so point... Kevin Nash wouldn't be a debut. He'd be a return. Correct. Okay. But, well, we'll just hold that thought and we're going to... Uh, what is... Why? What? What are we doing? I'm just going to say, we're, let's talk... We'll have more conversation about that as we talk more about Kevin Nash. I swear to God, dude, if TNA tries to play it off like he has not been there before... I think they're going to, and we're going to talk about it when... I'm going to fucking freak out. Because he was, like, in the main event of Against All Odds of this year. He sure was. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. He sure was. FS1 never happened. Or Fox Sports Net never happened. Yeah. Now, at this point, there is no superstar guest that they had hoped for to debut uh, because their attempts to get Bret Hart, Mick Foley, and Sting have all fallen through. So, now that's happening. I don't know but, how you don't get at least Sting. I mean, he was at the asylum, for Christ's sake. He doesn't want to do it. But what? You're on Spike TV. You're on fucking national television. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty surprised too, to be honest. But I'm I'm really I'm shocked. Now Mick I mean, Foley, actually, remember we did talk about that a few weeks back. He talked about and like basically said yes to doing it, and now he's going to Raw. Right. Vince right. gave him the deal he actually wanted. So, but he was going to come in in 2005. I mean, it literally was going to happen. To like Russell though, or or like be just a figurehead. Both, I think. Now, the tapings that they're going to be doing is, of course, building up Bound for Glory, uh, a nearly three-hour and 30-minute pay-per-view scheduled for October 23rd, uh, which they're trying to build into their version of WrestleMania. Several angles will be taking place over the next few weeks that will shape the final show. Now, the only official match, which we are aware of, and I, is it, I think they did it at Unbreakable, didn't they? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. We heard about this at some point here. Um, is Ultimate X is coming back, and that is, that is going to be Chris Saban, Petey Williams, and Matt Bentley. And the well, other... I don't think we knew the people involved, but Matt Bentley was like, well, I'm bringing Ultimate X back. Okay, well, we know now, because now we know. they must have announced it, and they announced this next thing, too, on their website, which I'm about to say. Uh, oh, we're... I think they're announcing stuff online to kind yeah, of get closer. Cool. Now, word in Japan is that Jushin Thunder Liger's opponent, yes, you heard that right, they're mm-hmm. bringing in Jushin Thunder Liger, um, is going to be Samoa Joe, uh, but that is not official. Uh, it's also noted that the Dudleys will not be on the show because they are booked for that date in all Japan. And they have not signed with TNA, but they were talking among the wrestlers that be, are being excited to come in. So, dude, still nothing is official about that. Um, huh. Yeah. Uh, saying that the atmosphere and work ethic reminded them of ECW, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I'm they wanted to prove they wanted to prove that, man, that he made a big mistake in letting them go. Um, so, TNA... <laughs> TNA hoped to announce Jushin Liger on the Unbreakable pay-per-view, but were frantically calling Simon Inoki to get the final signing off of the show, and he didn't get back to them until after, so they announced it on their website the next day. So, there you go. So, we know Jushin Liger Liger's coming in, and we know we got Ultimate X. Okay. I think it's hilarious that the Dudley Boys are like, we're going to prove that Vince made a mistake. They were so fucking stale in WWE. It's so stale that I don't even remember really what they were doing around this time, except weren't they involved in the, in the concrete crypt batch with Undertaker? So that was in, like, June, I think July of 04. Oh, that's the last thing. I, I don't remember them doing shit. So here's, I was the same way. I was like, I don't know, like, what the fuck were they even doing? They, the only thing they did in 2005 for WWE was One Night Stand. That's it. That's it. 
the last thing they did in 2004, they were like being um, uh, Spike Dudley's fucking henchman guy. Oh my god! Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, we'll see how we'll see how wrong they prove them. And then they we'll were see. also like with Don Marie doing some like. I don't remember none of that. Yeah. No. It was. It was so bad. They were so fucking stale. So fucking stale. There was nothing for them to do. So if, I, I would have got rid of them. Yeah. Well, we got some fresh matchups if they're uh, for sure. I'm, I feel like I'm really not looking forward to this. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to start. And if they, they disappoint me, then I will certainly tell you. Because, like, I'm not the biggest Dudley fan. And I'll tell you right now, um, they're assholes. So there's also that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really a fan of Bubba. That. Bubba was the biggest asshole. Yeah. Because I met him at the TCW show because I wanted the cool picture with them and Spike and he was a fucking asshole. Okay. Anyways. The gimmick. Although I did meet them at a Tina House show and they are actually really nice but I was younger then so they probably thought I was like a small child. Anyway. Yeah, but you were really like 22. No, I was probably I was probably like 15, 16. Oh, okay. So you looked like you were 12. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So they were, like, super nice to me then. Right. But, but as, as a, a grown adult, and you're like, hey, can I take pictures with my fancy camera? They're probably like, oh, great douchebag. Can you sign my ECW poster? You know, he signed it as Bully Ray, I think, which sucks, but whatever. Ah, uh, dude, that's... Yeah. yeah, what can you do? He's an asshole. Anyways, um, so another thing that kind of uh, happened, as Dave says, the scariest news regarded Sean Waltman. Oh. Huh. Oh, remember, Sean Waltman was not... At Unbreakable. Of course not. Um, so listen to this. Just as you think things can't get fucking crazy. Uh, well, he was still missing at press time. Okay. <laughs> missing. Yeah. Now, all week, there was a f- the fear that of Waltman, who the company had believed was going to sign a contract after the September 6th discussion with Terry Taylor. However, as the week went on, Waltman was at first having problems with some of the contract wording. Um, and then his phone was disconnected, and his cell phone had piled up so many messages, you couldn't even leave a new message, and they couldn't get a hold of him. The day of the show, at about 4 p.m., Waltman called and said he was leaving and that he would be there. Um, apparently, he didn't leave Tampa until 6 p.m., several hours after he should have arrived, and left alone. Friends of his say that he still got his mentality from Bret Hart and WWE regarding stars having the status to arrive late, although it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, he never arrived at the show, leaving everyone in the company furious. Now, Mike Tanay, Don West, and Alex Shelley all buried him to a degree on air, and the company was seemingly going with a he'll-never-work-here-again mindset. However, madness turned into major concern when nobody had heard from him or seen him the next day, and his family was getting very concerned. As of two days later, nobody had still heard from him. So as of this week of no notes, no one's heard of him still. Uh, that's like terrifying. Yeah, dude, it's pretty crazy. Now, now, spoiler alert: he's not dead. He's not dead, which he's is good. Still, he's still alive today. Correct. Yeah. It sounds of it, he probably. It's by, I'm totally speculating. It sounds like he went on a bender. I mean, it it kind of fits the time frame, does it not? I don't know. Yeah, pretty sure. So yeah, that happened. Now. Uh, this is also pretty interesting. We're kind of continuing. We're all in like one flow. This is not about Walman anymore, but 
it's about backstage at Unbreakable. You know, however, with people like, listen to this list, Test, Maven, Kevin, I don't know how to say his last name right. It's Kevin Thorne, Fatigue. Is that how you say it? Fatigue, yeah. yeah. Um, Kevin Nash, Kenso Suzuki, and Hiroku Suzuki, as well as the Dudleys and Gal Kim, all backstage at Unbreakable. Tempers among several of the younger wrestlers were flaring. Now, Dave says it's funny because it's the same storyline that they're playing on television with Jarrett of the role of the younger wrestler who felt they spent three years building the company and now fearing um, or being fi- or that they are fear being fired for WWE cast-offs. Right. And they literally have them back. It's not a joke. They're there. Um, so both Kenzo and Heroku, am I saying Heroku? Heroku, not Heroku, Heroku. Uh, who arrived before 10 a.m. the day of the show, were told that the company had nothing for them. Test was also turned down uh, when he was asking for work. Fatigue uh, is believed to be under consideration because Paul Heyman spoke so highly of him, but I'm not sure where he'd fit. Um, About eight executives from Spike TV were also there, and even AJ Styles threw a fit about so many WWE wrestlers being there, and unlike undercard guys who are worried about their jobs, he's untouchable, but Styles was mad apparently speaking out against the idea of hiring guys just because they are big. Some of the veterans were uh, calmed him down and noted, when the Spike show starts, most fans watching will need some familiar faces on the show or they won't give it a chance. Okay, there's enough guys on this roster that they're familiar faces. To I know. There's, yeah. They don't need more. Um, out of that group, though, obviously the Dully Boys are you know, coming in or whatever. Uh, Fertig, Kevin Thorne, I could see him fitting with Abyss mm-hmm. if they were to do like a, a stable or tag team type of thing. Yep. Yep. Just because of like Mordecai and like you could you could, you like could a, get it to work, yeah. A, like a darker character. Uh test I don't really think I'd care about. No. But there's still like potential there if you really find Test it. could be the new Triton. But he's Test. Test is far better than Triton. I told I know. I know that. Come on. That's not true. I like Test. Uh, I would be interested in Maven. Well, that's been a name thrown around for a while, I feel like, and I'm just kind of surprised he didn't get a shot. Here's the thing with Maven, and this is literally just popping into my head now. So I I believe that this is before he did the Surreal Life. Oh, okay. uh, A reality show. But I would, like, have him be so self-absorbed, like, have him have his own like reality show within the show. Oh, that's like good, have yeah. a guy like a camera just following him around and like he treats it like it's his like real world. That's a good idea. I think that for a guy like me, I mean, he did tough enough, so that's a reality show. He won it, and he could be like, "Listen, I'm a I'm a star," you know. And and it seems like easy heel heat to me. I think so too. I like that. Yeah. So. And we know that Kenzo uh, Suzuki has been here before and did very poorly, so I can understand why there was no interest in having him or his friend here. Um, and Maven, Maven has a good look. I mean, the guy is shredded. Yeah. yeah. And, of and course, we're, we already know the rumors about Dudley's and Gal Kim, so, I mean, some of these make sense. Yeah. And actually, there's, you know, I don't know. It might be on our next show. I'm, I'm doing a quick triple check. There is a note about, oh, no, it's, I think it's what, well, is it this one? I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's not that one. Actually, I'm going to tell you this note, too, before we get into Unbreakable, I think. But anyways, there's a note about Kevin Nash that I might be on our next episode um, that's pretty interesting about this. 
the whole backstage thing. Um, I another, really, I really, if Kevin Nash, let's say on the first episode of Spike, Kevin Nash comes out, if fucking Mike Tanay goes, I haven't seen Kevin Nash since 2001. I don't know if he'd be that obnoxious about it, but uh, he, dude, it's been, or he'll be super vague. Like, it's been a while since we've seen yes. Kevin Nash. I can see that. I can see fucking that. Not even six <clears throat> months. Get out of here. Um, so, th- speaking of people who essentially no-show, um, Shocker no-showed in Breakable as well. Uh, what? Yeah, so the only – he says the only no-show was Shocker, which is not true because Sean Wallman clearly did. Right. Um, who was said to have been unable to get uh, from a TV taping in a place in Mexico I cannot pronounce uh, for AAA to the show in time, uh, which is sort of true. Now, the company had purchased a non-refundable plane ticket for him um, out of Mexico City. Uh, a few days before the show, he called and said that he was being booked the night before in – I literally, I cannot pronounce this. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to make make a fool of myself. So somewhere far away, uh, which is in the Yucatan Peninsula, which is nowhere near Mexico City. Uh, the company is already down on Shocker. He's got the stain of being the brainchild of Dusty Rhodes, who loved him on the TV commercial. Uh, he kept seeing on ESPN. Uh, but he's been nervous in the ring and hasn't transitioned to the U.S. very well. And essentially, since this didn't end up working out, um, it was easier to just book Roderick Strong and change the Chris Saban versus Shocker match to Saban versus P.D. Williams. And on paper, it was a better match. And then put Strong in Williams' plan spot with Austin Aries. So we were going to get P.D. Williams versus Austin Aries, and they just used Roderick Strong instead, which I okay. think was an excellent move. Yeah, so that ends up working out. And I totally forgot his Shocker like turned on Saban. Yeah, dude. I fucking forgot Whoa. about that. So did I. I literally did too. I was like after, confused after as to Yeah, I I yeah. For, I was confused as to how he no showed the show, but then there's like, yeah, he fucking turned on Chris Saban. Of course, that was gonna be a match. So right. fantastic. Good stuff. Um, let me give you this final like random note about TV stuff, and then we will do a quick breakdown of Unbreakable and then Bob it's time to watch the match that might break us. <laughs> We thought we were unbreakable until we watched the show. Until we, we watched international. Yeah. Um, in the ever-changing TV schedule world, the first Monday night show on October 3rd has been changed back to its regular time slot. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter... So this is, like, obviously within different Observer notes here. Um, the Ultimate Fighter night replay is now scheduled for the 1 to 3 a.m. Uh, that night with a second airing on October 6th at 9 p.m. However, Spike's... Uh, same new press release listed the ultimate f- fight night replay on October 6th at 9 p.m. And it also lists the MXC special on October 6th at 9 p.m. Now, why do we give a shit about MXC? Bob, you know MXC, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's hilarious. Um, well, listen to this bullshit. The MXC special is based on a WWE versus TNA theme, which no doubt is going to make some people very unhappy. Um, and he says, anyways, after being contacted, Spike noted the MXC show would be preempted uh, for the Ultimate Fighter Night replay and would be airing sometime later in October. But the programming department has not yet decided on the date. What do you mean? What? How is it going to be based off of WBTNA? I don't know, but I need to go figure it out. I need to watch that and see what they're talking about. Yeah, um, which That's it, weird. it is on Amazon. I watched a bunch recently. Amazon Prime. Right. I think it. I think at one point it was on Pluto too. Ooh, okay. But I can't remember. That's good to know. 
I love that. That show is like me and Austin get a kick out of it, dude. I dude, I remember in high school, even like middle school, whatever, middle school, early high school, that shit would be on Spike. Yeah. For like late for like four hours. Mm -hmm. And I would fucking want and at first I was like, I don't even know what I'm watching, but it's just these two dudes just dubbing over commentary or you know, group of people, whatever, dubbing over commentary. Right. As if it's people talking in mm-hmm. English or whatever. It's thing, so it's so funny. The thing is, like that like, I like those kind of shows anyways, where it's like people trying to do like weird, weird like game stuff and like like yeah. I like that anyways. And then they add like comedy on top of it and it just is like yeah. it's so good. Cause it's still like Jap it's is it Japanese? Yes, it's a Japanese show. Yeah. So like Jap like you know, these guys, you know, somebody will be yelling and then like the English commentary like what they're saying is like my boss hurt. Yeah, <laughs> they just run so, off. It's like, dude, it, the it's the it fits Spike TV way too perfect. Oh yeah, it's like guy humor. A hundred percent. And like, there's definitely some stuff that's not very uh, PC anymore. But correct. Yeah, it um, does not. It doesn't age well. No. Okay, Bob. Let's break down Unbreakable here. Um, we watched it last week, uh, so we will try to quickly go through it. But we'll always like to hear Dave Meltzer's uh, ratings. Um, and all that. So, uh, in the pre-show, which we did watch, pretty good stuff. Yes, we did. Surpri- surprise pre-show again. I don't know when we're going to stop being surprised by them, but here we are. You know, we could easily find out if we just, like, started I know. the I mean, show we, a little bit before we started airing or playing, but we, we just double-checked. Yeah, no, we are like, okay, let's play. Um, we, wait, wait, wait. We should do that for Bound for Glory, because if there is a pre-show, that's a four-hour fucking show. Yeah, we probably should because, I mean, I'd be fine doing the matches, but if there's, like, a lot of just talking, I have don't really know if we need to do that. Yeah. But we'll figure that out. We got a couple weeks. Um, so Jarrell Clark went to a no contest with Cassidy Riley in a minute, 56 seconds, after Monty Brown ran in as they were just getting started. He clotheslined Clark. Riley came in uh, while Brown was starting a promo. Brown gave him the pounce, period, as Dave writes it. Uh, Brown then challenged Raven, the winner of Raven vs. Rhino, at Bound for Glory. Jarrett came out and said he couldn't believe that Brown would do such a thing. He said Brown owed him his career. He, his, he owed his career to him. So Jarrett takes a lot of credit there. Uh, Jarrett vowed that when the company gets on Spike TV, that he would be the world champion. The two argued, and Kip James came as the peacemaker. Jeff Hardy came out and went after Jarrett, and there was a big brawl and stuff like that. So it was a pretty eventful uh, pre-show. Actually, this pre-show at Unbreakable felt like an episode of Impact, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Shark Boy pinned Mikey Bats in 3 minutes, 20 seconds. This was a fast-paced indie-level match. Uh, he won with the Dead Sea drop. And that he, he does not rate either one of those. Okay, starting on the main show, Conan and Ron Killings and BG James, all three life crew, defeated the Diamonds in the Rough, Simon Diamond, Alex Skipper, David Young, in 4 minutes, 20 seconds. Conan apologized to BG for doubting him quickly, probably the weakest match on the show, uh, but they had the crowd more than all but a few bouts. That sounds really weird the way that's written. Uh, Killings was in a bad car wreck during the week, apparently, and his back was messed up. Uh, So that's a pretty interesting note on top of this. It was surprising that he could do even the little that he did. Conan pinned Young after doing the uh, X-Factor, which I think he calls the face jam. And the match was booked to go actually a few minutes longer than it did. He gives this one one star. Um, and Bob, after this, I'm just going to go through this so I don't ruin the flow here. But remind me to do our thumbs up in the middle just so we got that down as well. I'll do that at the end. Yeah. 
Um, I have it literally right up next to it. But uh, Austin Aries pinned Roderick Strong in eight minutes. This was about as good of a match as you could have in the time frame. Strong did several different cool backbreaker variations. Of course, we know him as the Messiah of the backbreaker. Uh, it was acknowledged in the pregame show and in commentary that Aries and Strong are usually tag partners on your honor, and fans knew them or knew as there was chance of Generation Next and ROH, so people were aware of who they were. Uh, after Strong did some cool moves and a please sign Roderick chant started, Aries won with a brainbuster and a 450 splash. He gives this one three and a half stars. Yeah, that was a very good match. Yeah, it was great. Um, I really like Roderick Strong, and I think I like him more than I thought I did after watching a lots of Roderick Strong. Anyway, I've always I've always liked Roddy. I feel like for a while I didn't really like care that much, and then like the more I watch it, I'm like, no, I really like this guy. Yeah, so, so big Roddy fan. Um, even his shitty little boots. So, Kip James and Monty Brown defeated Apollo and Lance Hoyt in 9 minutes, 58 seconds. Sonny Siaki came out in a neck brace. The storyline was that James and Brown injured him. So, Apollo got Hoyt to be his partner. Uh, in a pre-match uh, preview before the match, they teased that James and Brown uh, having dissension because James was loyal to Jarrett, and he was mad that Brown would talk back to Jarrett. That was during a backstage interview, I believe. Uh, Hoyt looked bad when he didn't have... Uh, didn't have people who were good enough to cover for him. Uh, I kind of disagree. I think Hoyt looks fine, but whatever. Uh, the crowd uh, live loves him for reasons that wouldn't play nationally because he likes to party with them after the show. <laughs> I did, I love that he mentions it every single time, so I got to say it too. Um, Apollo has some good timing and is very agile for a big guy, but has no charisma. Hoyt did a nice moonsault on James. Uh, the finish saw Brown pin Apollo uh, after the pounce. He always writes it as the pounce period. For a one and a quarter stars. Chris Saban pins Petey Williams in 12 minutes, 34 seconds. It was a fast, it was fast paced. Uh, the match was good, but I expected better. Uh, Williams was gassing at the end. Saban then picked up Mark, referee Mark Johnson for a cradle shock here in this match. Uh, put him down when he realized it was the ref. He felt the shirt. Williams took advantage of it and had Saban set up for the Canadian Destroyer. But Saban reversed it into the cradle shock for the pin. A lot of the crowd booed, even though they thought or even though Saban was popular in the entire match because they wanted to see the Canadian Destroyer. Uh, Matt Bentley hit the ring, super kick Saban, and he did one of those Russo-style promos where he said everyone expected him to go up north, but he was staying in TNA. If you want to say it, it uh, just say it. <laughs> he was said uh, he was back for the Ultimate X. Bentley super kick Williams for good measure, and that was three stars. He gives that one. Abyss then pinned Sabu in 11 minutes, 30 seconds in a no DQ match that was added, I think, during the pre-show or something. Um, Abyss used a torture rack drop uh, for a near fall, went out to grab the bag of thumbtacks, spread all over the ring. Uh, Sabu made a quick comeback, but as he went for the triple jump spot, Abyss caught him midair, delivered the black hole slam into the thumbtacks for the pin. Sabu had tons of thumbtacks sticking to his back, while Abyss had a few uh, in his hand when this was over. Uh, the match worked with the crowd, but Dave says that he hates when the thumbtacks are becoming cliche to the point where you feel obligated to do them on every show. Two and three quarter stars. I mean, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with these star ratings so far. They're pretty, I mean, that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, Bobby Roode pins Jeff Hardy in nine minutes, seven seconds. Roode did a good job of carrying things here as Hardy just didn't seem that interested. 
eventually in the match here, uh, Jeff Jarrett came out and hit Hardy with a hockey stick twice. The first shot looked weak, uh, so Jarrett broke the stick over Hardy's back on the second shot. Hardy <laughs> fell into the ring and repinned him. Two stars. Didn't look good, so let me just fucking break it over your back. I mean, he did do that. Yeah. Um, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens retained the NWA Tag Team titles over Chris Harris and James Storm, Alex Shelley, and nobody, and Eric Young in A1 of the Team Canada in 18 minutes and one second of an elimination match. Some fans were carrying A1 steak sauce to taunt A1 during the match, which I thought was funny. Um, Johnny uh, Candido, who was sitting ringside with his father and Chris Candido's friend, eventually jumped the guardrail and tagged in. So Alex Shelley did have a partner. Mm -hmm. um, you would think that that would have popped the crowd, but it didn't. Um, America's Most Wanted and Team Canada bumped for Candido's clotheslines in the comeback. Eventually, uh, Young nailed Candido with a low blow and pinned him with a small package. He maybe got 45 seconds in before getting pinned at the 5-minute, 25-second mark. America's Most Wanted were acting like heels in the first fall, but started working as faces in the second. Interesting. The Naturals uh, did their double team natural disaster on a one for the pin. He gives us three stars. In the NWA title match, Raven pinned Rhino 14 minutes, 28 seconds to retain in the Ravens rules match. Uh, the match went too long, uh, Dave says, and the crowd peaked early and was numbed by overuse of weapons among weapons used in this match. We used <laughs> a crutch, a chair, nunchucks. A pizza cutter, a staple gun, garbage cans, a ladder, and more. Um, I think the ladder was probably used the best. They literally put them through it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Rhino juiced early uh, after the pizza cutter to the head. Um, they chanted, we want pizza. <laughs> uh, eventually, uh, during this, um, Jarrett ran in with an apparent belt shot, but Hardy grabbed the belt from him instead. Raven then finished Jarrett and then uh, DDT'd Rhino with the Raven effect. Um, to score the win, and he kind of forgot to rate this one. I don't got yeah. a rate. I don't got a rating. I didn't check on a. Sometimes cage match uh, lists these as well, um, so I can check quick. But uh, let's see. It's literally not rated on there either. So he literally just did not rate it. Apparently. Maybe he didn't like it. Hey, he he rates dud. If he, I feel like he doesn't. He do duds too. I don't know. He does negatives. Right, so, the, so he'll do I don't know. that for sure. I think he might have just forgotten. He probably did. That's I would say he was probably you know two and a half. That's fair. Two and a quarter, especially yeah. compared to what what else we got here. I agree. Yeah. And the one that everyone was waiting for, the main event, AJ Styles won the three way over Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe in twenty two minutes fifty seconds to take the X division title from Daniels. Just an incredible match. The idea that going on Spike, they needed to have an ex-champion that represented the style. Uh, at one point, the story was out that Joe was going to be winning, but the feeling was that he'll take a few weeks for the Spike fans to get used to him, and he, as he hardly makes sense as a small guy who is 280, um, at least until everyone sees him win a few matches in the division. I think it's fair. I think it's a fair way to put it. I think Joe's good, but might as well put Styles on it, I guess. I, well, Daniels yeah. is fine, though, isn't he? Like, that's just weird. You would have just kept it on him almost, but whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't... I like all these guys. I do, too, but this whole, like, you know, the Spike audience getting used to him. What what are they thinking is... Like, I don't understand. I don't know. I, it's I'm new so people. confused. But is it, though? No, it's not. Yeah, like if you're watching the show, chances are you know about TNA, especially if it's on 
a Saturday at mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night. Right. You have to already know that it's, it'd be different if it was on at like eight, then yeah, you're going to get people that maybe don't know it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, during this match here, um, Styles did this springboard shooting star press onto both Daniels and Joe on the floor. It's arguably one of the most famous uh, spots from the match. I think they show that quite often. Styles and Daniels traded punches uh, later in the match before Daniels set up the Angels wings. As he put, he, Dave writes it as Angels swings. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Styles reversed it into a backflip into the pin and the surprise three count. There was a loud match of the year chant at the finish. Best match in TNA history, and that's saying a mouthful after the matches this year. And this is, of course, voted on as the first ever five-star match in TNA. So pretty is good. it the only one? I think we were kind of looking this up, and it it might be the only one. I think it's the only one in TNA. Which is saying a lot, but I got to say, um, I mean, you you could argue there's others that are very good. I mean, yeah. To be controversial statement coming up, was it uh, Joe and was it Joe and Styles that was the last pay per view? Is that what it was? The X Cup one. Yeah, was that the last? Yeah. yeah. I fucking loved that match. That is a very good match. And me. Joe had the, that match with Saban recently, and it was also so fucking good. Not as long and not as big of scale, so I get I get how that can kind of play into some of this stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, to wrap us up here, before I do forget again, Bob and I gave this a thumbs up. Bob, what do you think the reader said? Uh, it has to be thumbs up. Yeah, 98.3% thumbs up. Wow. Is that like one person saying, or like two people saying no? So, yeah, I'll break it down to the numbers because it's not embarrassing. Um, so 0.8% per, gave it a thumbs down. 0.8% were in the middle. So let's break down the numbers for you. What the fuck? Uh, 118 people voted thumbs up. Wow. One down, one in the middle. That's who does down? Like you can't do down. What was down of that show? Some of the undercard you were probably bored with, but like, come yeah, on. Overall, it still wasn't though, even that bad. Yeah, no, you're, yeah, you're right. There's no way. There's just no way. And I wonder what match got voted on as the best match. Oh yeah. Give me a break. Styles, Daniels, and Joe. Of course, no other match got a single vote. He even writes that. He nor, should, nor should they, really. Yeah. And um, I think it's kind of obvious, so I'll just tell you because we literally just read it. Three Life Crew versus uh, the Diamonds in the Rough, or as Dave calls it, the Diamond Exchange, was voted on as the worst match. Um, and in order, there was other ones. Um, Kip James and uh, Monty Brown versus Hoyt and Apollo was second. Raven versus Rhino was third, and Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Roode was also in there as fourth. So huh. there was some other ones that were written. And Bob, that finally wraps up our notes for the show. It feels like a lot because we did them all before we watched, but now it's time to watch the main event of International Incident. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy, Is Bob's I, Bob's feeling it already. As I let out a yawn. Uh, all right. We are going to be watching now the main event of Border City Wrestling's international incident. NWA world champion Raven defending against Jeff Jarrett. Now, I'm sure we're going to get some kind of explanation, uh, whether it be the notes 
or on the eventual television, because obviously as uh, TNA fans, we are not, you know, aware of Jeff Jarrett being a number one contender uh, in any capacity. Right. So him getting a shot here in Canada uh, is a bit confusing, but we're going to figure this out. Now, if you want to watch a lot, let's say you have this in your own personal collection. You're going to want to fast forward to the two hour, 16 minute and 33 second mark, because that is where we are going to start. Now, if you are like me, that means that there's 26 minutes and 51 seconds left in the show. Now, there's no way that this match is going to be 26 minutes. What? I was going to make a mention really quick. Go ahead. If you type in Jarrett, Raven versus Jeff Jarrett International Incident on the Google, you can watch this match on Daily Motion. Wow. So we will – now, I'll check. I'll check as Bob's finishing his last statement here um, to confirm where it starts, and I will try to cue us up. Because I do believe what we're about to see, there is going to be a brief promo. I was going to say, I, I'm sure that someone's going to be talking for several minutes. Yes. So, yes. But it does look like you can Google it if you are interested in actually watching along. Okay. Well, that's good then. Uh, I'm going to count down from three. And when I say play, that is when we are going to hit that good old-fashioned play button and then begin to watch Jarrett and Raven. I believe that this is their second singles match against oh. each other in our pocket. The first one being back on April 30th, 2003. That's and I don't so believe crazy. they had a sing- another singles match since then against each other. Wow. So here we go. Three, two, one. Play. Here we go, dude. World title, Jarrett versus Raven. And you hear that? It's hard. To, the quality is not the best uh, because it's a shitty indie show. But that's Mike Tanay in the ring right now. Yeah, he's a special ring announcer. Ravens oh. rules. This shouldn't be official. That's not a TNA referee. That means there are no rules. Falls kind of anywhere in the building, but you know damn well that pin's gonna happen in the ring. Yeah, of course. One fall to the finish. For the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, and here comes Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, so Mike, today's our announcer. That's kind of fun. I can't wait for Jared just to get in his face. And then today, make that usual today face. Yeah, right. I was just trying to look up to see if I could figure out how many people are in the crowd. I'll keep trying to look, but... That's becoming a little bit harder than I expected. It looks like... What are you trying to do? I want to get a crowd number for us. Here's Jeff Jarrett. And I'm assuming that person that's standing in front of our camera view is a TNA camera guy. And I, I would think so. he's getting footage for the Spike TV debut. That's my guess. Yeah. International incident. Jeff Jarrett. 
Yeah, I'm not having much luck here trying to figure this out, but I'm trying. Is my world. Yeah, get that microphone, Jared. And I'll just tell you now, too, if you happen to get that Daily Motion video, that one doesn't even start until Raven's in the ring, so we have a minute before you oh, can really? start. Yeah. J.E., double off. He doesn't do that gimmick in TNA. No, he doesn't. But this is an indie show, so he's got to pop the fans a little he's bit. He's got to hit the classics. Listen here, slap nuts. He's not here to kiss babies. He came to this godforsaken country for one reason. I like the yellow on Jarrett, by the way. I don't know how you feel yeah, about it. Yeah, it's good. Because if I'm going to boo someone, it's someone who's wearing yellow and silver. Yeah. Canada's always been one step behind the United States. And he's yelling at Tanae, of course, because that's part of his gimmick. I don't know if that's true, that Canada's always been one step No, I consider moving to Canada quite often, to be honest with you. I think they're pretty, uh, pretty much ahead of us on <laughs> a few things. Yeah, I, I'm going to move there. I'm going to look good at Raven when he walks down the aisle. Um, another TNA person that we didn't talk about being on the show is Tracy actually wrestles, Tracy Brooks. Oh. And someone who eventually is Johnny Bravo's on the show too, who uh is ends up being a referee and then a manager, but Joe Doring is here, Jimmy Jacobs. Oh, they're on the show? They're wrestling. Yeah. Yep, yep. Jimmy Jacobs. I feel like I I don't know, we can talk about the card if we want to, but I feel like Bob's going to probably mention it also in our indie, you know, it's uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. So, Yeah, I'm sure I would. Okay, Raven's coming out. And there's our freaking guy getting in my way again. Trying to get a nice picture for our social page, and this is what I get. Oh, Raven's got a microphone, too. Oh, boy. When's Ontario, Canada? Does this place not look like if the uh, Legion in Binghamton was slightly larger? Huh. Yeah. Okay, so the the match on the video doesn't even start until he um, puts the right down. Oh, look at that. Dallas getting his fucking personal service for food. Sickening. I don't know how you got her wrapped around your finger like that. Yeah, you want to see what I got? Oh, God. What the hell? Breakfast, baby. Jesus. It's 11. I know. I didn't I didn't have time to do it before I got on here. This is basically lunch. She's just the best. Welcome to the Terror Dome. Put the raven. Nevermore. She's just the best. Okay, the video on Daily Motion starts now. <laughs> Do it! Raven's ready, man. He's laid the belt down. He's fixing his elbow pads. And now he's just standing there. I don't know if I'm ready for this match, Bob. I don't know if I am either. 
I mean, this is a huge main event to see it, like an indie show. Uh, I would say, yeah. This whole show, dude, if we were TNA fans and we saw that this was coming remotely close to us, we'd easily be going to this. Yeah. This is not about strutting tonight, fans. I kind of wish they had Mike Tanay as like a special guest commentator too while he's there, but you know, that's at least really, at least for this, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, he probably should have been. See, Dallas, I feel like it's dangerous to eat during this match because I don't want you to choke. I I know. <laughs> that's a really great point. Wait, Raven wants to talk again. Is that what they're saying? Jared's on the mic again? You guys in Canada don't even know who to cheer for. Second class country. See, Jared's like the annoying ex-girlfriend who like needs to get their last word in. Yeah. And it's like, can you stop? I'd be like, can't we get moving on with this? And she's like, but I got one more thing to say. It's like, you don't have to, though. You don't have to do that. Okay, get to the match, Jarrett. Yeah, let's go. The bell already rung. But it's Raven rules, so he can't even get counted out. That's a really good point. Raven's talking now, too. Which one is the annoying ex-girlfriend now? He goes, you couldn't be somewhere cool, but, like, uh, Nashville or... And he's like, nah, he's from Henderson. Her Hendersonville? Where is it? Hendersonville, yeah. <laughs> Raven says he might need the mic later, so to hold on to it. Here we go, here we go. Oh, now the bell rings. Right, so. The bell sounds... Bob, have you been to Hendersonville yet? No. I just went, um, I went last year, actually. Did you see Jeff Jarrett? No, I didn't actually go. I'm just joking. Oh. I don't know what you do. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. I didn't even know that you got engaged until you put it on Facebook. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Raven fought so hard to win this. Raven has uh, really held down the fort here during our internet days. Yeah. He won it at Slammiversary. I'd say he had a pretty decent run here. And now I'm, he's I'm, getting... I'm starting to wonder if they put the title on him because they knew that not a lot of people would be watching. So, hey, let's just put on Raven. That's so fucked up if it's true. Jarrett couldn't be a champion while no one was watching. Right. After all, he's a star. Yeah. Everybody knows Jeff Jarrett. And Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash. This is hardcore, dude. They just keep locking up.
Headlock off the ropes. Shoulder block. This is the most Ravens rules I've ever seen a Ravens rules match, dude. Well, I'll tell you, anytime that there's this type of stipulation and they start off with uh, headlocks and shoulder blocks and hammer locks, as he literally does a top wrist lock, this is my favorite type. Yeah. I don't want to see trash cans and thumbtacks. No, 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 no. Staple guns, pizza cutters. I don't want to see want, that. I don't want I don't want to see them brawling in the crowd. What are you talking about? No way. Give me that good old Raven Matt Rustling. My absolute favorite. He's a te- technician. He really is, especially when he's wearing the jean shorts like he is tonight. Yep. And we know Jared is definitely a technician. Te- Jared is a three-time winner of the Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson Award and the Observer. Yep. See, I hate when they do this shit just because it's like, you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it because I don't want it. Speaking of the Brian Danielson Award, I don't know if you saw the news. Um, this is, we're, t- we're taping this uh, early September, just for spoilers here. Um, but they just announced uh, Zach, Zach Springate... Uh, no, no, hold on. Zack Saber Jr. Jesus, I always do that. Think of my two CW brain. Zack Saber Jr. against uh, Brian Danielson at Russell Dream, and I saw someone on Twitter go, seven-time Brian Danielson a winner faces eleven-time Brian Danielson award winner because he has like a technical award in the Observer yeah. named after him. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah, that's like a real award. Oh wow. Uh, I saw that, like he said, Danielson said it's going to be his last year. Yeah, pretty much. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, I don't like that. Not if Tony keeps throwing him the money. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Raven has the ring bell. Oh, he's ringing it. Oh, shit. He hits Jared in the head with the ring bell. Right in front of Mike Tenay. So Mike Tenay is there. He's just not in commentary. Right, he's just holding the guitar, which is probably not a good sign. And then, um... Just sitting by the timekeeper, I guess. Is Jarrett bleeding after that? He's got to be, dude. Oh, Borash is there, too. Yeah. Also, big news. TNA news. Mike Tanay and Don West are going into the uh, Impact Hall of Fame. at Bounce the Warrior this year. Well-deserved. Should have been earlier, but well-deserved. Okay, the table that Raven just got is already broken. The leg is, like, snapped off. Is Jarrett bleeding? I'm I don't like, think he is. Oh, my God. We're in the crowd. No way. In a, a Jeff Jarrett match? Hey, you were just saying you want this. Yeah, I know, but I can't believe that I'm seeing it. I would have never guessed, to be honest. Don't do the concession stand. I don't know. There you go, get your pretzel. Shades of the concession stand brawl, dude. Uncensored 95. Put his head in the cotton candy machine. You get 10 points. Remember the Dup Cup? Dup Cup, yeah. They're training easy dub. Yeah, of course they are. 
He's chaining BC Dub, but that's not what they were chaining. No, absolutely not. Jared is not busted open from getting hit with a ring bell. It's probably because it's an indie show. Damn it, you're right. Raven just kicked him out of a seat. Holy uh, shit. Referee Jeffrey Scott. That's who our referee is. He just jabbed him throat first onto the chair. Yes, they have padded seats, but there's no padding on that steel frame. No. Because the chair he kicked him out of is not a folding chair. No. It's like if you were going to go to a like a conference center and it's like just a fucking seat with a cushion on it. Okay, Raven throws Jarrett into the ring. In case you guys are following along and you are on the DVD version, we have 11 minutes and 50, 49, 48 seconds left. Oh my god, a low blow. I can't believe he would do that. A nut shot. What kind of monster? You cannot count the king of the mountain out at all. He's choking Raven on the middle rope. Bounces off. Slides out. Boom. Little right hand. Didn't expect that. Apparently he kicked the camera in ringside. Oh, here we go. The middle rope leg thing. Do the strut. Oh, he is. Yeah, that middle rope splash is your favorite oh. move. I forgot about No, he, he didn't do strut. the fucking double J strut. I like it when he gets ready and he's like, and then he just doesn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Slides out again. Oh. Another right oh. hand. Whoa, Raven really sold that one. He literally bounced across the ring. That was a big time sell. Now, Raven is laid out with his shirt exposing his belly. This is basically how I look when I'm laying on my couch. My belly just plops out of my shirt. So I feel very relatable. Jeff Jarrett has a guitar. Is, it, is that a fan's guitar? I think that is a fan's guitar because it's spray painted on the back. Don't piss me off. Yeah, now they just got it back. So. Does Raven have a tattoo... Under his belly? Yeah, it goes all the way down his chest. We've seen it. What? It's like the big thing that goes across his chest and like down his pant line. Well, I guess it's been a while since I've seen it because he's always wearing a shirt. Then. Which I'd like to remind everyone, he does not need to at this point. He's just doing it for the look for some reason. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, Miss Q, but it was for a fucking sleeper. Oh, low blow. Wow. A kick to the nuts. What a kick. One. I wonder if this... Do you think this show might be on uh, Impact Plus? Um, I feel like it wouldn't be. Where can we watch BCW wrestling? Probably can't. 
I don't know. They want tables. Raven with a whole bunch of jabs. Discus clothesline. Throw him in the corner, bounces off, and of course Raven comes back clothesline. Knee lift, boom. Yeah. Let's go. Raven's fired up. Nurse up into the corner. Splash. The knee. Bulldog. And a bulldog out of the corner. Get him, Raven. Oh, he doesn't go for the cover. Now he's going to the, the uh, table that is Dallas has noted already broken. So he just lays he it. In. He puts the broken side up first, but. Hey, Bob, if you're curious, uh, Border City Wrestling here is celebrating their 30th anniversary on October 7th, 2023. And Kurt Angle's going to be there in Windsor, Ontario. Oh. oh. The stroke? Yeah, yeah Raven countered, or uh, Jared countered the even blow, going for the stroke, but now he's got a sleeper. Wow, didn't see that one coming. I I got him. Oh, Raven. Raven might be sleeping. Raven is our champion. It's passed out here, dude. Raven. Raven. Two. Will he drop a third in final time? E no. Oh. oh, that was pretty close. I don't yeah, know. it was. That might have dropped. Even elbow. Yeah, blah. Yeah, blah. Jared gets right back to that sleeper. Oh, ref bump in the corner as Raven tried to back his way out of it. Oh, my God, um, through the table. And he backs him through the table. What are they chanting? It sounds like they're chanting. Sabu. Yeah, that's what I thought I heard, too. Okay, I was trying to check if they have this on, on Impact Plus. You can watch Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, Alpha One, Smash, and Le uh, how do you say this one? Lariato Pro, but no VCW. No VCW. Okay. Oh. I tried. That surprises me, especially since it's a Scott Demore. That's why I was kind. That's why I had to check. Yeah. Even on their website, it doesn't show where you can like watch anything. So I'm not know. sure. I oh, my Siri's talking to me now. It also wants to know where you can watch BCW's international incident from September 15th, 2005. Yeah. That's crucial information we need to know. Wait, Jarrett does have a guitar. Oh, see, he probably got it from Tanay. Tanay did have a guitar over there. And, no. oh, Raven oh. Ducks. Oh, Raven grabs the guitar. No. Nope. Yeah. A jawbreaker by Raven. Wait, now he's got it. Raven's got the guitar. And he oh, smashes Jared over the head with it. And even flow. Ah. <gasps> That's James Storm. James Storm just ah. super kick Raven. Chris Harris is here. Oh, my God. Death sentence. They just hit the death sentence on Raven. 
What the fuck? Dallas, what the f- And they just threw Jarrett on top of Raven after the death sentence and the super kick. Three! Raven, Raven tried to put his arm up. Uh, so, what the um, fuck, dude? There's okay. the heel turn for AMW? Whoa. Like, that's that's got to be an official, like, hey, we're fucking douchebags now. Wow. Okay. Guys, we got a new NWA world champion just a few weeks before the Spike TV debut and America's Most Wanted have seemingly joined forces with Jeff Jarrett. Did not see that one coming. Here's the thing now. You can't possibly ignore that. No. For TV. Whoa. That is an interesting way to have AMW. Wait. Switch. Jared just called them to beat up Raven more, so now they're stomping him. The crowd's stunned. Wow. They're booing him. Wow, dude. This is the fourth... Title ring, NWA title ring for Jeff Jarrett. It's nauseating. <sighs> well, he did say unbreakable. He was going to be champion before Spike. Yeah, and he's a man of his freaking word. It's kind of gross in hindsight when he said when you when he says that, and you're like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, well, Jared's sure... bleeding from the guitar shot. I think, like on the side of his head. Yeah, that's what I'll say. I'm sure that there's no. Uh... Like that now a lot of people knew about this title match. No. Right before Spike debut. There's no way. Dude, this AMW turn is like wild. There it is. AMW holding up their arms with Jeff Jarrett, guy in the crowd right there, giving him the middle finger. I can't say that we should be surprised by it. The AMW thing is like the bigger shock here than anything. Everyone, thank you on the behalf of Border City Wrestling and TNA. Drive safely on your way home. Classic indie show. TNA is such a nice guy as Raven's like hurting in the corner. Hey, Check everybody, out. thanks. Go get a shirt. Check out the merchandise table in the back. Raven's like, I just lost the title. Yay. But go make sure you go get a DVD. Crouch chain for Raven as he gets to his feet. So Team America did win the whole the whole tournament, it sounds like. Oh, that's unfortunate. Canada couldn't even win their own tournament in their own country. Jeez. I guess not. Well, they're giving us the whole card now. <laughs> well, what did you think of Raven's uh, title run, Bob? It was completely on the internet. Lost yep. at an indie show in Canada. Yep. Started I mean, on their biggest pay-per-view of the year so far, Slammiversary. I would say overall it's probably pretty disappointing. I mean, yeah. If you look hindsight, it's like no one really got to enjoy it. Yeah. 
And, like, it felt like, I mean, I think it was, like, fine, but, like, it definitely could have been better. Like, they didn't let him get big matches that he should have. Before, it was, like, Jared's going to fight DDP. He's got to fight Kevin Nash. And we couldn't even get, like, a Raven against Jeff Jarrett. You couldn't even do that. Yeah. To, like, let him have a solid victory. Yeah. It was basically just, like, Raven doing ECW matches. Yes. Yes. Sure, it was, like, Abyss. But then it was, uh, you know, teaming with Sabu and then against Rhino. There wasn't really much. Jimmy Jacobs, Muppet, picture of courtesy of Amy King. Okay. I don't know what that's about. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay, that wraps up that. I, I'm going to say that match was not great. No, it was not. But it was important to watch uh, yes. because of, you know, the implications it has for this type of TV debut. Oh, yeah, dude. We, I mean, we didn't have a choice but to watch this one. I think even if it, we knew it was going to suck going into it, which I couldn't remember, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I had no I couldn't. We, we I, had... This we had to watch. Um, it is directly affects what we're going to be watching in just two weeks. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, I, I'm i curious how much we're going to show on TV. We got to explain it in some degree. So should be interesting to see. Yeah. And then also, I mean, knowing that not, well, now knowing that the uh, AMW turn. I mean, that's like as well. almost sh- more shocking and like bigger to me. Like that part's really crazy. Yeah. Well, we did it. Um, check it out on uh, Daily Motion, or if you have it, I, would, I mean, if you want to watch along with us. I'm, I'm curious how the rest of the show is, but uh, it sounds good on paper. Well, you can watch it on your own time. You can watch it on your own time, and that's what I'm going to do maybe one day. Um, okay, Bob, do you want to let our listeners know what we got going on next week? Okay, so next week is another week where we don't have impact, so we have to watch a different match that's right folks a match not a show but a match and i'm going to look it up real quick to make sure that i'm giving the proper uh date and stuff yes okay here we go so we are traveling back in time not too far we're going back to july 29th 2005 for international wrestling cartels no excuses we're on that show. And again, it's another main event match. Matt Hardy, who at this point, uh, or that point, was back in the WWE, but still had a few indie shots. He had uh, jilted TNA at the altar, so to speak. Decided not to come in. But he did wrestle a TNA wrestler at this show, International Wrestling Cartels, no excuses. And it was AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. And... It is regarded by Meltzer as being a really good match. Uh, I've seen the match. I've reviewed it for us in recaps, and I gave it a pretty good star rating. Now, it's been a long while since I've seen it. So I couldn't tell you what goes on in it. Excellent. That is, that's going to be the next match that we watch before the era of Spike TV begins. And uh, as we did today, I think it will not be as long because the Unbreakable stuff isn't included. But we will do notes before, and uh, we got something to chat about uh, there. And then we'll watch the match. And I think it's going to be a pretty good time. And then the guys were at Spike, so we already know it's going to be good after that. So Yeah, pretty much. Uh, all right, we will see you guys next week for AJ Styles.
and Matt Hardy with the International Wrestling Cartel. But until then, for Dallas Greeley, I am Bob Gunning Jr., and this has been the TNA Cross the Line Podcast.